We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jowson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. And what we're going to do over the next three days, we're going to do the zodiac signs. We're going to do four signs per day to equal 12. So, we'll be doing this for today, tomorrow, and the next day. I want you to enjoy it, and we'll talk more after this. Virgo Characteristics Virgo is the zodiac sign represented by a female. Virgos are therefore delicate and sensitive, yet, at the same time, they can be critical and picky. Virgos may appear cold as there is a tendency to hide emotions and suppress natural kindness, although deep down they are warm and loving. Virgos always pick a logical and practical approach to all aspects of life which contributes to many of them being quite successful and independent. Although Virgos may appear cold they feel deeply and are in fact very reliable in all of their relationships. They will be glad to lend you a helpful hand if you get past the mask. This makes Virgo a very desirable friend and mate. Modest and understated, Virgo people have to take care to show those they love how they feel. These people don't like to make a scene, and so they are often quiet and even withdrawn when it comes to showing emotions. Still, their steadfast loyalty and the consistent attention are appreciated by those who love them. Virgo parents are attentive but not overly demonstrative when it comes to showing the love they deeply feel. With their own parents, they were often so humble that they felt uncomfortable with too much attention or praise. Virgo siblings usually enjoy pleasant if not distant relationships. Still waters run deep, and Virgo people are often very hard to read. That doesn't mean they don't have great wells of love to draw from, but their lovers are often left wondering how their paramour feels or what this person is thinking. Virgo is encouraged to express feelings more openly by being more demonstrative and affectionate. Learning to give and accept a higher level of nurturing will help the Virgo person enjoy more fulfilling relationships. Many Virgo people achieve great success in business, but it rarely happens overnight. They aren't susceptible to taking big risks or leaping for chancy opportunities. Their success is usually attained slowly and steadily and over a longer period of time. But once they do reach the level they aim for, their success remains consistent. Virgo people are excellent at managing finances, so they know where every dollar they earn is going, giving them the power to expand and explore when in business for themselves. They need to keep in mind, though, that it's good to splurge once in a while and to make a point of seeking out the joy of life. Copyright Copyright Daily Horoscope. Download it now. http colon slash slash com slash dh. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, and you heard it, Virgo, of course. Alright, um, let's talk about it. Now what this translates to, folks, in general, let me put it down to you. A Virgo is a person that is not going to be so quick to fall in love, for instance. 
are to show any kind of affection or emotion. They're going to be rather reserved, kind of cold in a way. Now, the coldness primarily is having to assess whether or not it's a situation that this person wants to be involved with. They're spending a lot of time assessing you as to whether or not you're worth the effort. Now, another thing about a Virgo, they're very patient, very slow to do things when it comes down any kind of like Bitcoin investing, stuff like that. They're not moved by that. They're more of a practical type of individual that's going to take their time and look at things, the pros and cons, do their due diligence before they do something. Because see, they're more concerned about the end result of success, more so than they are just about the appearance of success. So if you're looking for a superficial person, Virgo is probably not the individual that you should seek out. Now, the only thing that they will be superficial on are emotions at times. They will express themselves very well, but it takes a time for that to happen. They're not affectionate people. It may take you a time to grow on them for they will show affection or, you know, share their feelings with you. Another thing, too, about Virgos in particular, these people are very calculated. So it has to make sense before they do it. If you're coming in there and you're a Pisces with a Virgo, you're going to have problems if you have the pie-in-the-sky mindset. And they're more practical and logical. If it doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense. You don't make sense, so therefore, you're not who they're looking for. They'll cancel you quick. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So before you get involved with a Virgo, if you're a Pisces or one of these other creative signs that kind of go on your feelings, understand one thing. With a Virgo, their feelings are going to be guarded. And it's going to take a while to get to them. And the thing that they look at more so than anything is, is this person worth it? So if you're coming across and you're thinking, you're going to impress a guy, for instance, ladies, by telling him you only want $300 hair weaves and you want $200 acrylic nails and that kind of thing. It doesn't work with these guys. And ladies, those of you who are Virgos, you know with a man, if he comes in with the bullshit academy, you know what I'm talking about. He comes in there and he's trying to wow you. You're going to be more reserved. He's not going to know whether or not he's going to get a second date with you because you haven't let on. This is part of your personality. You subdue your character. Now, many of these characteristics from the zodiac signs are valid because I've, throughout my dating life, run into women with many of the characteristics associated with their signs. Some of them spot on, others not so much. And of course, you have the people that say, oh, well, I'm on a cusp, so I'm special. Again, these are the same people that want to stand out and want to have multiple genders, right? These are the people that want to have multiple orientations. They want the world to be special and to be theirs only. Wish things worked that way. Sorry. There are exceptions to the rule, but the rule is not the exception. More in a moment, folks.
cancer characteristics Cancer, the moonchild, usually has a very conservative and home-loving nature. Like its mascot, the crab, cancer often likes to hide in its shell, finding inner comfort at home and making its house its most beloved fortress. Cancerians are very protective of their loved ones. They can be both shy and outgoing. They are very strong-willed and they like to get everything done in their own way. Cancerians need to learn to balance their emotions because they often tend to be overly sensitive and moody because they feel everything very deeply. Of all the signs, Cancer is probably one of the most devoted to family and family-like relationships. Cancer is sensitive and nostalgic and lives to enjoy family and friendship. Although there may be a lot of emotional drama when there is a moonchild in the family, this person is usually someone that everyone turns to for a soft touch and kind encouragement. As a parent, Cancer is loving and devoted. And the parents of a moonchild children are loved to the moon and back by them. As a sibling, these kids are often the mediators, smoothing over conflicts and bringing everyone together. The moonchild loves deeply and forever. Sensitive and sweet, this is someone who usually remembers every birthday, every anniversary, and every special occasion of any kind. Cancer is loyal, loving and sensitive to the needs of a significant other, but can be quite shy when it comes to public displays of affection. It may take a while for the Cancer to decide to marry, but once it happens it is usually for life. Cancerians are often highly financially motivated and quite adept at maintaining a budget and getting ahead with savings. The Moonchild's career is very important because it is a way to achieve the security they yearn for, financially and personally. And this is also a dedicated employee who is trustworthy, hardworking, and eager to please. As a business owner, people born under this sign treat the business like part of the family, always nurturing it and staying on top of what it needs to remain successful. Copyright Copyright Daily Horoscope. Download it now. HTTP colon slash 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 DH. Well, well, well. Now when it comes to cancer, there are some things that you need to be aware of. True enough, they're very devoted, they're very uh, loyal when it comes to family and those kind of things, but you also have to remember they have a loyalty to themselves. Cancers are very emotional, and they are hypersensitive a lot of times, and therefore, what you may say, that you may not have meant what you said so directly, they will take it personally. Now, financially, they're going to look out for themselves, no matter what. So you very seldom will see a broke cancer. They seem to always manage to look out for that aspect of their lives. Now, one thing that I will tell you, though, is that cancers will also ghost your ass very easily. So, like, for instance, if they start a relationship with you, they already have in mind how long that relationship is going to last. Now, I know under the utopian ideal, for cancer to fall in love and get married and all that, a lot of them don't go through all of that. What they like to do is to engage in a relationship for a period of time and they will definitely fade to black on you. They will go and leave you for another opportunity. That's one thing that they are adept at doing. Now, they will still foster a relationship with you as a friendship. They may do things such as when they break up with you, block you. And then after a while, they'll unblock you and say, Merry Christmas, how you doing? Just like nothing happened. 
that's because they've gotten over that emotional hurdle. It's not uncommon for these people to start back up where they left off with you. Because for some reason, cancers would do that. Now, another part that is difficult to deal with cancers has to come in with the emotional aspect of them being hurt. They will definitely be the victim. That's one thing that they do have at their disposal. Those of you dating cancers, dealing with them, that's one thing that you will run across a lot of times. Not always, but it's there. They may be overextended or overobligated to the family. They may complain to you about family issues that they're having, but trust and believe, no matter what decision or what opinion you have about resolving that issue, they're going to double down and be defensive of the very thing that they told you that they had a problem with. So understand your input is probably going to ricochet all over the place, and it's not going to resonate. Other things about cancer. <clears throat> public displays of affection. Yes, they may hold your hand in public. They may be very bashful when it comes to kissing and hugging. Now, intimately, they don't have any problems. They're all out. When you get a cancer in the bedroom, uh, you can pull out the phone, take pictures, do everything you want. Just telling you. It depends on the person. Like I'm saying, I'm just giving you a generic experience. I've dated cancers before. And I will tell you, it's a mixed bag of nuts. But for the most part, these are some of the attributes and aspects of the characteristics that are associated with them. They're good people. The only thing you have to understand is that emotions are real big with them. They love older things. You, it's not uncommon for them to like uh, classic rock or Motown. They like nostalgia. They like the past in the present. And they also will bring things forward from their childhood. And they may have little souvenirs and reminders of that period in their lives. The happier times. So this is just to give you a thumbs up and a heads up. Cancers are pretty good people to date. Now, compared to Virgos, Virgos are a little bit more reserved, a little bit more laid back. They don't like a lot of attention or limelight. And you don't know what they're thinking until they pretty much disclose it. A Cancer, they have those characteristics in a sense as far as not knowing where they or as far as emotionally but understand one thing just because you're in a relationship with one does not mean that it's permanent or that it will last because they may be grappling with other things that they don't tell you about and they'll fade to black on you and they will disappear just keep that out there more in a moment folks Gemini characteristics Geminis are often mentally gifted and quite intellectually inclined. Geminis are also usually very well informed. 
they always try to gather as much information as they can, which in turn helps them to more easily adapt to any situation. Quick-witted and smart, the twins quickly become the center of attention in any gathering. At the same time, they tend to be not the most emotionally stable sign and can be very moody and change their opinions rapidly. If the Geminis can train themselves to always follow through and be more consistent, they can significantly improve their understanding and relationships with others. Ruled by Mercury, Gemini is here there and everywhere, and that often drives other family members a bit crazy. This is a hard person to pin down, and this sign may not always show up at family gatherings as planned. But when Gemini shows up, this individual is often the life of the party and keeps everyone entertained. As a parent, Gemini needs to always make a point to be consistent, since it is this sign's nature to flit from one interest to the next and so may not be as unswerving as possible when it comes to parenting, but that can be corrected with self-discipline. As a child, Gemini doesn't always achieve the closeness with parents that they would prefer because even as children people of this sign are off pursuing their own interests. As a sibling, there is quite often a lot of rivalry because Gemini is an achiever and often outshines and outwits brothers and sisters who aren't as fast-thinking or ambitious. The Gemini person may love deeply, but this mercurial sign doesn't always show it. Sometimes this leads to miscommunication among lovers, and if not attended to, it can be a downfall of the relationship. But it doesn't have to be that way. Gemini people need to make a constant conscious effort to let their lovers know how they feel and to do the little things that mean so much and that show caring and nurturing. The Gemini person is going in many directions at the same time because to this person there are never enough hours in the day to get everything done. In business, Gemini often has many things going at once in the form of new businesses or investments. When employed by someone else, Gemini is always on the lookout for the next great opportunity. This single-minded determination often leads to great financial success. Copyright Copyright Daily Horoscope. Download it now. http colon slash 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 dh All right, Gemini. I'm very familiar with this zodiac sign. I've dated, the majority of women that I've dated have been Geminis. Now, here are certain things. Now, true enough, they're ambitious. They are very intellectually stimulated. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're intellectual in the book sense. Some of them have that intuition. Others may go on and maybe patch themselves together in education. One thing about Gemini, their belief outweighs the logic. That's the thing you have to keep in mind with them. Another thing, too, with Gemini, when it comes down to relationships, and I will tell you this, and I'm just going to be straight up with you, what I wound up doing with most Geminis that I was with, the relationship became more sexual than it was contextual. In other words, it didn't really make any sense for us to be together. We were just together due to sex, and I hate to say that. The reason being, Geminis have a very, very high lack of focus when it comes down to what they want to do. As far as follow-through, they're not the people for it. Just like some Pisces are not the people for follow-through. So you get what you get in the beginning, and that's it. So if later on in the relationship, things are kind of dulling out, Gemini's not going to put forth too much effort in order to keep it going. They'll just go on to the next, because the one thing about Gemini, they feel as though they're missing out on the next opportunity. So therefore, they don't overcommit. 
they have difficulty when it comes down to keeping commitments to an event or something like that, unless it pertains to them and they could be the shining star. They'll be at their birthday parties for sure, but they're only going to be at other events when they can be the signature person. If it's not that, don't look for them, don't count on it. It's just the way it is. So, fellas, if you're dating a Gemini, understand a couple of things. They will change their mind on the relationship. They may say, hey, I want to be in a committed relationship. They may start out that way, and I'd be damned before you know it. She wants friends with benefits, and then it may not even be that. So, just understand, if you wind up with one of these folks, good luck. Same thing with uh, Gemini males. I have friends that were Gemini males, and like, hey, man, we're going out to the club tonight. No, man, I ain't going. Why not? I don't want to go. Then you don't go. He doesn't go, but you go, and then all of a sudden, he shows up. He's the life of the party. He's getting all the attention because he showed up late. He's got his girl with him, and, you know, all the fellas, hey, man, we thought you weren't going to make it. That kind of stuff, those kind of antics and that kind of theater. So this is what you deal with with them. Not that they're bad people or anything, but it's just a whole different way of dealing with folks. More in a moment, folks. Leo characteristics is one of the most creative and ambitious signs, Leo has plenty to roar about. The lion's considerable talents help them to succeed in nearly any endeavor they set their minds to. Leos love to be the center of attention, and they often are because they are so enthusiastic, courageous, loyal, and generous. Because the lion is the king of the jungle animals, Leos often think of themselves as the king or queen of the universe. But they need to learn to tame their pride and to be less concerned about appearances. Leos love to give without asking first. That's because they always assume the gift is truly needed. As a natural-born leader, Leo can become a great inspiration for others. Fiercely loyal and protective of loved ones, the lion is proudly devoted to each and every member of the family. This sign is often the leader when it comes to family matters. Strong, loving, and regal, this person is always conscious of making everyone proud. When the Leo has children, those children are treated like little kings and queens, often pampered to the point of being almost spoiled. And the parents of a Leo are often treated in much the same way because Leos tend to always want to maintain and be worthy of the pride the parents have in their child's achievements. With brothers and sisters, Leo is charming and likable, but siblings may come to resent Leo's natural need to be in charge. Leo is also the king or the queen when it comes to romance, often lavishing a lover with gifts of flowers, candy, home-cooked meals, or whatever appeals most the object of this person's affection. If a Leo is in love, there is no doubt about it because Leos more often than not wear their heart on their sleeve. And when you are loved by a Leo, you can rest assured that this regal beast will always be there to defend your honor and trumpet your achievements. Anyone who competes with a Leo in the workplace had better get out of the way because Leos are very competitive and they play to win. Very driven and very smart, Leo is always on the lookout for opportunities to get ahead. Leo is the natural leader of the pack and doesn't know the meaning of the word, no, when it comes to earning a position that is coveted. Many Leos choose to be in business for themselves because being the king of the jungle, by their nature, they don't like to answer to anyone. Copyright Copyright Daily Horoscope
Download it now. HTTP colon slash 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 DH. Here's another one that I've dated a lot of. Now, with Leos, they prefer to be in charge. They will chomp at the bit until they become a person that's in charge. That's in the relationship or anything else. Now, here's the thing with Leos, especially our women. They're going to try to take the lead, and they're going to try to guide you whether you like it or not. Now, the problem with this is that they don't really listen to much input from your partner. So, for instance, they'll go and start something and say, oh, well, I wouldn't bought this for you. Hey, you should wear this suit. I like this suit. Well, that suit doesn't look good on me, but it's what I like. That's the kind of person you're going to be dealing with. With that. It's about them. Because see, they're used to being in charge. They're used to being the person who says something in his law. But see, they have a false sense of authority and a false sense of leadership a lot of times. And they get full of themselves. I always say Leo has the ego. And a lot of times they do. These are the people that, boy, don't let them be a Leo and then talk about they're an alpha male or alpha female. You really got an ego to deal with. Because you also have to deal with the insecurity associated with that. Because they have to prop themselves up to have that persona like they're the king of the jungle. Folks, good Leos are creative, they're nice, and they also measure. Bad Leos, they're going to be the egotistical, over-the-top, alpha male type that's swearing up and down. They're the king of the jungle and no beta male or whatever is going to come around and get them or whatever. A honey badger will take any lion out by biting his nuts off. That's what they do. That's the reason why most of the kings of the jungle won't fuck with a honey badger. What I'm telling you folks is this. With a Leo, you got to be very careful to make sure that you're dealing with the right one. Because I'm telling you, they will have the facade... They'll do the nice things for you. But usually when they do these things, you have to be very careful because that's part of their persuasion technique to manipulate you. To position you where they want you to be so that they can definitely use you as a stepping stone to go forward in life. I hate to say this, but this is what you will find with some of them. Not all of them. There's some good people. And all the zodiac signs I've, I've talked about there are good people in each of those but there are also certain characteristics that you have to look out for and that's what we're pointing out here this is to help you when you see some of these characteristics you'll know ladies i'll give you an example of a leo that's taking charge or taking control take for instance you just meet this guy right he doesn't ask you what you want to drink he just says bartender give her so-and-so she'd like that Well, you know, I don't really drink brown liquor. Oh, come on, you need to drink some. You need to go and just loosen up a little bit. What he's trying to do now is to lay the framework so that he feels comfortable with her. And the way he does that is by being in charge, telling her what she's going to drink. And that passive woman says, okay, well, yeah, yeah, I like it a little bit. It's, it's, It's really good. What he's done now, he's imposed his will upon her. And this is one of the things you will have to worry with Leos, whether they're male or female. Just telling you. More in a moment.
Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and we'll do four more Zodiac signs on tomorrow, but let's talk about a topic now that is very important. Haven't you ever dated someone, and you never got into them, but you like certain characteristics about them, but you already knew that the relationship was going to go nowhere? It's one of the worst feelings in the world to have. Michael wrote about this same topic. Now, Michael lives near the Grand Teutons. And he wanted to talk about this in particular because he said that what has happened now, he and his girlfriend moved from Orange County, California to Utah. And upon doing so, He thought that he had the ultimate partner. And what's happened now, they've gotten a chance to know each other better. Uh, He relocated on his job. She uprooted and went with him. And now they're combatives in this environment. They've become combatants and they're combative, but not physically abusive. But now they are winding up having to, uh, how could I best say it, communicate through adversarial tones. And this is the way they actually are functioning now. They're accusing each other of the reason why things have not worked out for them. So it's not a situation where they can sit down and talk things out. The accusations fly, and they go into their neutral corners. Now, the interesting thing is, when it came down to counseling, when I mentioned that to them in one of the emails I sent, it was out of the question. Now, the interesting thing is this. He asked me not to read this email. so I'm not going to read it, but I could at least comment on some of the aspects of it. And the reason why he doesn't want to read it is because I guess he wants to break the news to her first that he's going to leave her. Now, of course, this is messed up, but this is the way some people operate. Now, there are a couple of things that we have to look at here. This is the significance of zodiac signs, and this is one of the reasons why I talk about this, because it's not a science. There are some characteristics that may coincide with life, but we got to face it. If we lived our lives by the Zodiac, there's a good possibility we'd be led astray. Let's face it. There's sometimes they don't get you right at all. And there's sometimes it's on the money. So we know that that is kind of a variable. Now, some people would beg to differ, but You don't find that many people that really take it seriously to a point where it's their lifeblood. Let's just face it. All right, so what we have here for the most part, folks, is a couple that's not only frustrated with each other, they've lost confidence in the relationship. They've lost confidence in anything having to do with success in it. And the problems were there way before they left California. The problems 
existed because they didn't know each other. They really didn't care about each other, to be quite honest with you. And they were placating each other in order to see if this thing could work. We have a lot of people in relationships that do this. They know good and well they shouldn't be in that relationship, but they're in it because they don't want to lose. They don't want to half-ass do anything. They want to finish. Even if it means that it's going to be a loss instead of a victory, they're thorough people. They don't like going through something and then giving up. They don't like losing. They don't like quitting. Now, a lot of this has to do with narcissism and ego. See, a wise person knows when to expend resources and when to pull back on those resources and save them for a better day. A fool will always go out and try to prove themselves. 24-7, they're constantly doing this. And this is where you make a mistake. And unfortunately, these two people were foolish. They really didn't have a foundation to leave California with to establish themselves in Utah in the mountains of Utah, wherever they are. So, they're suffering the consequences now. They don't communicate with each other. When they do it in an adversarial tone, they are very combative, verbally. There are a lot of things that are going on in this situation that shouldn't. You mentioned separation, they don't want to hear it. You mentioned counseling. They don't want to hear it. What they actually like is the dysfunction of the relationship. Because in some ways, this bastardized form of of being together may work for them. Now, I want you to understand one thing. These people are also sleeping with each other. So can you imagine the conversation? They're probably talking shit to each other while they're screwing. And this may be a way of them really getting along. Now, we all know this is not healthy because at some point someone's going to say something or do something that's going to trigger something that's going to escalate. We know this. But some people can just get along that way. It varies. All right, let's go on to the next email that I can read. The weather's clearing up here where I am, and I hope everything is working out where you are. I do have a couple of questions for you. My name is Bill. I live in Roanoke, Virginia. I started dating this African-American woman. I'm Caucasian. I'm in my 40s. She's in her 30s. She has two children. So far, things have been going well for us. We get along as a couple. However... I have noticed some reverse racism. I know this seems rather odd, but her family hates my guts. Mother told her she could have done so much better with a black man. I don't mean to toot my horn, and I don't mean to be racist because I have no racist bones in my body, but I got to tell the truth here. What I make is about three times the amount of money that an average African-American male would make, statistically. That's a fact. Now, being that I make this money, 
I know in many aspects my girlfriend is trying to cling on to my success. Ooh, I guess I can read this. Her family, however, is upset because of the fact that she is not sharing the wealth with them. Her kids are now going to private school. She has a brand new car, as opposed to the 92 clunker that she had. She's living a lifestyle far better than she ever lived before, especially when we first met. And the family is very jealous. I didn't realize how much the hatred ran deep until visiting her grandmother. I got called cracker to my face, peck of wood to my face, all of these things. And my girl did something remarkable. She told them she and their grandchildren were never visiting them again. As we drove back to Roanoke, she told me, I hope our relationship makes it because I've severed ties with my family for you. It was a heavy burden on my shoulders. But after hearing this, I felt very secure. So what I'm planning on doing, and she doesn't know it yet, I'm going to propose marriage to her in about a week. And on her birthday, which is about three weeks away, I'm going to marry her. She doesn't know it yet. It's going to be through the justice and peace, but we're going to get it done. And I think it's about time that we go to the next level. I've listened to your podcast, listened to some of the advice you've given. Some of it's been good. Some of it I couldn't relate to because I've never been in those situations. But one thing I can say, you're fair, you're honest, you're just. Your opinion, please. Bill, personally, I think that you are doing the right thing. And she did the right thing by you. Here's the thing. If you were a black man, they would have liked you because they would expect for you to lay down and let them use you. Being that you were a white guy, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. In certain ethnic circles, if you're a white person, you're E.F. Hutton. When you speak, they listen. And they will never listen to another black person. They will never respect another black person. Let's face it. I'll be honest with you. When I worked in IT, and I'd be the only black on staff, and usually the project manager, project engineer, or something of that sort, I would get more respect from everybody that was not black when I would come up with proposals and ideas. The reason being, they trusted my integrity. Whenever I worked with African Americans on projects, they would always go to the white man first. 
They would go to him first. Even though I was in charge of the project, they go into the white man first. I remember I had a white subordinate that was a very, very good project engineer. And I was his manager. And the questions they needed to ask me had to do with my authorization. Don't you know they went to him to try to get authorized for certain segments of the project to go forward? And he would refer them to me, and he would come to me, and he said, why are they coming to me? You're the decision maker. Why are they coming to me? And I told him, just because you're white. And they're conditioned to follow the white man. And he said, oh, my God, you know, don't tell me this. Because he was so beyond that racial bullshit. But that's the way some folks think. And there were project teams, honestly, that I knew of, consulting firms that would not like hiring blacks because of that thing, because of that issue. They would never say it, but they would show it in their hiring practices. And it was like a circular firing squad. When I first got into IT, and this is an aside, I tried to bring in as many minorities, people of color as I could. What I found was a problem was one, a lot of them did not take it seriously. They just wanted it for the money. Two, a lot of them did not have that confidence in themselves because that's something you have to have. And when I would find it, it would be within one or two people out of maybe ten. But it was not by no stretch a swath of African Americans that would come in and be able to hit the ground running on the job. I would say there were about two out of every ten. And I'm just being frank with you. I'm not sitting here to sugarcoat anything. I wish the numbers were better. The other issue we had, when it came to documentation, especially when it came down to software development, that's the first thing we used to test them on. We did that with everyone. Asian and white, Hispanic, they would always document very well. Not African-American, especially the ones that were self-taught. We could not really work with them because a lot of times they had formed bad habits where they would document in slang. Yes, some of them would. Others wouldn't document at all. But they would learn coding off of YouTube, off of all these other websites. And it would take them months to try to get something together that we would normally expect a person to be able to know how to do coming in and hitting the ground. So a lot of times we would just go and hire directly from the colleges because we didn't want to deal with self-taught people because we'd have to untrain them the way they were taught. Because see, what happens is when a person is self-taught, that's all they know. 
is the way they put things together. Because they start thinking that everything has to work in their world that way. You see a lot of people with shows where it's like that. Oh, no, it has to work this way. You have to answer the question this way. If somebody tells you this, you should respond this way. How many times have you seen shows where they do that to you? Where they're trying to guide you as the way they think because they, they have the only logic in the world. They're the only intellect in the world. As they see it, then they fall back on the fact that this is my show and I run it this way. When you're at that point, when you're talking about this is my show or this is the way I run it, and you're in trouble because it shows how threatened you are by different views. See, I could be one of those people that could just have only people who agree with me that I read their email. I read people's email that hate me and that love me. After a while, you get tired of reading the hate. Now, to be quite honest with you, I don't get that many negative emails. But when I do, oh boy, do they come in. What I get a lot of times people that are frustrated about their situation and they're trying to externalize it on me and that's different I don't get the I hate you niggers type emails that often and I get them every once in a while what I usually get are the people that are questioning topics I talk about in a negative way because it's affecting them directly Now, what I just talked about, a lot of people would never say, especially in IT, because here's the thing, in other industries, you can't talk about this because if somebody is not hired, they think automatically that they were discriminated because of their race. A lot of times it's the qualifications, it's the credentials. But you have to think about that. And just because you see another person that's black, do not think that that's your ally. I learned that the hard way. Just want you to know that. We'll talk in just a moment. Folks, here's what I'm talking about right here. Sheila from Port Salerno, Florida. Blah, blah, blah. So much, so much, so much, so much. You always talk about relationships and breakups and everything else. I bet you your house is not in order. I bet you're dealing with a whole bunch of bullshit yourself. People like you make me sick. You gurus, you know the answer to everything. You can just solve everything. Well, some of us have problems, true enough, but you guys have bigger problems than we do. Sometimes I think that what you guys are doing is using this as a form of therapy for yourself. Shame on you for exploiting people for your own therapy. Good luck, asshole. Sheila, Port Salerno, Florida. Now, folks, this was supposed to impact me. Here's why it didn't. Because this happens more often than you think. I had Gina pull the email that this woman sent me on November 29th, 2019. Let me read it to you. 
I've listened to your podcast and some of the things you're hitting on are spot on. My boyfriend is leaving me. I caught him cheating, confronted him about it, and he told me I'd have to live with it if I'm going to stay with him because he loves this other woman. I've had to comport myself to his wishes. I don't like it, but I don't want to lose him. I'm going to hang in there with my man. I know it may be the wrong thing to do, but what would you do if you were in my situation? I would really love to know. Sheila, Port Salerno, Florida. Now you come back and you're trying to spit venom at me. I can't help if you were a damn fool and stayed with that man and that man kicked you in the ass emotionally. That's not my problem, lady. That's something that you invited into your life. I don't have a transcript of what I wrote back to you, but I will tell you this. I'll give you the sentiments of it. I told you, regardless, your dignity is more important than his ego. You didn't listen to me. You went on and you followed him. So you're writing me now, I guess, because he kicked you in the ass three years later? That's not my fault. That's on you, lady. That's totally on you. And this is what happens, folks. When things don't work out because these people have the intention of doing something, and then they hear the opposite of what they're doing, the first thing they want to do is deny it, act like it doesn't exist. And once they have done it and gone through and got their asses kicked emotionally by that person, then they come back upset like I'm a customer service department in life. That's not me, lady. You can take that shit somewhere else. You get no empathy from me. I'm sorry. If you're a fool and you're stuck in a bad relationship, you know it's bad, you're acknowledging that it's bad, you're sticking with the conditions that exist, that is your damn fault. You're not a victim, you won't get empathy from me. That's the way it works. Now, if you're a person who's naive, if you're 16, 17 years old, 18, and you don't know any better, hell, I'll help you. If you're in your 30s or 40s and you're faced with a situation for the first time and you don't know which way to go, and folks, there are a lot of people out there who really don't know whether they've been powder burnt, butt fucked, or shot when they get into certain situations and relationships. Because if it's the only relationship they've known, that's all they know. You know, I would never take advice from somebody that's been married 30 or 40 years. Why? Because it's only their experience. People who have been around, who have dated more, I would take more advice from them than anyone else. And the reason for that, and that's the way I learned. Those people have a more of a dynamic appreciation of situations that they're going to face. The only thing that person can tell you is that they studied this person for 30 or 40 years and it's the only person they know. They're an expert on that individual. But they don't have shit to do with dating. And sometimes we get hung up on the narrative that worked for them. It may not work for you. You may not be the person that has a 40-year lifespan when it comes to a relationship. You might can only deal with a relationship for three or four years at best. 
because you may not be able to tolerate someone in your life in your space that long. It happens. Everyone has a different trajectory when it comes to a relationship. There's no set map for everybody. Even though people like to go and and map it out, you could have a plan, but that plan has to be designed on what your agenda is and what your partner's agenda is. What I try to do here is to point out certain things to make it easier for you to make a choice, a decision, an informed decision on a partner that's going to be a life mate, possibly. So you don't waste your time. A lot of these people that have been married a long time, they were dating in high school a lot of times. So that's all they know. They're just into that individual. Some of them may have had a fling here and there. But shit, it was so long ago they forgot what happened. You want somebody who has more of a breadth of experience. And a lot of you get intimidated because of this. You get intimidated because things may not go well for you. And so, what do you do? Oh, let's hear something positive. And you go and you drink the Kool-Aid. And you don't think about the things. Everything's on automatic pilot. Out of mind, out of sight, right? That's what we love to say. Until it's too late. I had a friend of mine that used to always tell me, she was always, you're so negative. I don't know why you're so negative. My relationship's going to be fine. And I kept telling her. I said, problem is, I see this dude out in the club all the time with other women. Don't worry about it. I'm a grown-ass woman. I can take care of myself. Okay, fine. The first time she confronted another woman that she caught him with, they got into the fight. Woman whooped her ass. I can't believe he treated me like that. He disowned me and let that woman beat me up. Whose fault was that? And once she saw she wasn't getting any empathy, guess what? She stayed with him and doubled down. She was going to fight for her man. She wound up fighting three women throughout the time they dated. Catching them in bed with these women. Told her straight off the bat because I knew about the guy. Didn't know him that well, but knew about his behavior. But she was in love. And one thing you will learn, folks, if nothing else, if you have friends, family members who are in love with someone and they're being a fool for them, sometimes you got to let that play out until they learn that lesson, and sometimes they won't. They'll go straight to another abusive relationship, just like they're going to try to make it better in the next one. And then they burn themselves out. And then when they're older, nobody wants their asses because they have been so negative. That positive person, like my friend was, always in denial, always putting a positive, upbeat spin on it, become morbidly negative when they get older. Just like she did to this very day. I called her up on the phone. What the fuck do you want? That's the way she answers the phone now. With not only me, but anyone. Family members, friends. That's the way she answers the phone. She used to never answer the phone like that when she was younger. Before she started going down that staircase 
of negative relationships. And the way it all began was with that guy. Because she made a poor choice that gave her a negative influence in her life that she never recovered from. And sadly, this is what happens to a lot of people. That one relationship puts you in a place where you don't want to be and then you find yourself struggling, trying to get away from it. And you go into another relationship thinking you're going to make it better. And usually you haven't healed enough and you're taking on the same characteristics from the last relationship into the new one. Let me read you something from Barbara out of Seattle, Washington. I recently divorced my husband. Divorce has been finalized. Now I'm a free woman after three weeks. Thank God. 47, independent, have my two teenage daughters, and honestly, I can relax. I've been online chatting with guys, and one thing that I've noticed, the way I wrote my profile is kind of symbolic of the way I felt when I first started dating my husband. The one thing that really comes to mind is this. Being divorced now, I'm a lot more of a critical thinker. I went inside my profile and changed a lot of things. Because one thing that I found that was happening immediately, the same type of men were reflected in the same type of guy that I married. And the way this happened, it started out the same way he did. Kind and gentle, but affirming his dominance. I caught that early on with many of these guys, and I blocked them because of those characteristics. I wanted someone that I could actually have a refreshing, honest, and open conversation with. Not one where he was being nice on the front end, but then trying to be very masculine underneath. Telling me what I'm going to do if we're together. I realize now that's a non-starter. When I was 17 and married my husband, that was impressive. And that meant more that he was into me and loved me. I know much better now. Barbara, Seattle, Washington. She matured after her marriage. She realized the things that caused her to be in that situation. She now knows what the telltale signs were. At first, she was impressed by her man being sweet, but telling her what to do. And she realized that shit grew into a reality when she married him. And then it became the terms of the relationship. I man, you woman, you do as what I say. Now I will tell you, Barbara would be a good woman for a good man now. Because see, Barbara has the confidence of knowing what to look out for. Now, would I take dating advice from Barbara? More than likely not. Barbara hadn't been out there long enough. But one thing I do appreciate about her 
is that she has now grown out of the situation that she dealt with. Now, what she can do from that is expand and tell other women, hey, here's some of the characteristics you need to look for in certain men. Now, that is priceless. Because now she knows what some of the characteristics are when it comes to a domineering individual. This is not to invalidate her experience by no stretch with him. But what I'm saying is, a lot of times when these people are in these relationships, they're in bubbles. So they can't relate to anything outside of it. So a lot of these women don't know about clandestine cheating. Now they might have the thoughts of doing that, but a lot of these women will not. They'll stay true to their relationship. Women very seldom cheat compared to men. And when a woman does cheat, it's structured. So it's not going to be some unorganized, thrown-together patchwork plan. It's going to be something she's thought through. But she doesn't want to get caught. She's more vigilant about getting caught than a man because she has more to lose. I know we like to think that men have a lot more to lose. Women don't want to lose the lifestyle that that man's provided for her. Men, we already know, we could rebuild that lifestyle at some point. We have that option. The woman gets comfortable, she likes to nest, she wants the comfort of home. The man, we're treated rugged by society in general. We're not really like that much. We're tolerated. Hell, look at what we do with Cornish hens. What happened to the Cornish rooster? They're made out of sausage. Cornish hens are put on the plates during holiday season because they're valued more than the roosters are. That's the way it works. That's the way we're treated in society. That's the reason why you have so many homeless men. Homeless women can always find shelter. That's just the way it is. Now, couple of other things that we have to examine here. A person that's been in a dysfunctional relationship or multiple dysfunctional relationships may also think that the world is that way. And therefore, you finding a person on a dating site who's been through multiple dysfunctional relationships, whether you're a man or a woman, you get in there and you're saying, what the hell? And so you try to enlighten them a bit and then you start to realize, whoa, wait a minute, this person is bringing me down to their level. You need to end it. Because no matter how you try to drag them out of that hole they're going into, they have been down that spiral so long that the only thing you could do is they could just take you with them. And sadly... They're comfortable being negative. They're comfortable losing in relationships. They're comfortable being disappointed. They love the attention of somebody trying to bring them out of that emotional hole. But guess what? They don't like the effort. Same thing with people with these relationships. A lot of them like the attention of the relationship. They don't like the effort involved in order to sustain it. They like the notoriety. They like the status. They like being seen with that person. 
But a lot of times they want to do the work to be with that individual. This is the reason why I say a lot of people are emotionally unavailable when it comes to dating. Because you have so many people that are concerned about status, social climbing, image, those kind of things well over love, well over any other aspect of it except for monetary gain. Some people treat dating like a lifestyle. Hell, I used to do that. That's not a healthy thing. Because over time, what happens, you become cynical. And if you're not careful, you start taking people's feelings for granted. And that's a detriment. And you have to grow up. And then grow out of that cycle. And the reason why you become so cynical is because of the fact that you run across so many different situations that you'll feel as though, hey, I'm never going to find love. The only thing I'm going to find is just a whole bunch of dysfunctional people. And true enough, all of us, to some degree, have some sort of dysfunction or idiosyncrasies. But what we have to realize is that you want to try to get the person with the fewest amount of those. That's apparent. There are going to be others that are going to have underlying dysfunctions that you probably don't know about and that when you find out about it, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? So there's no art of perfection on this. But the thing you want to do is to find the things you could cope with the best and manage the best. A lot of people will go and the first thing they'll go and do is run to an extreme. Well, nobody's perfect. They'll interject something that nobody asked for. Nobody ever said anything about being perfect or perfection. But this is a qualifier for people who fall short of even working on themselves. They do this to justify the reason why they do nothing. Oops. And that's a slow burn for some people. See what happens a lot of times with us. We try to qualify and justify doing nothing. It makes us feel better. Yep, take care of that problem. I don't have to go to the gym today. Yeah, today's Tuesday and the gym's going to close early because of uh, COVID restrictions. I'm not going to the gym today. I'm not going to work out. Oh, don't have to worry about going to the gym next week. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Too far away. Don't have that much gas. Even though the person didn't budget for gasoline for that following week. So the more obstacles that are created, the easier it is to make a decision to do nothing. Because, again, the sole purpose for people busting their asses and working for things is to do what? Retire and sit down and do nothing. You work a whole year to take two weeks vacation to do nothing, to relax, right? To get away from that work. For other parts of the world, people get 30 days. Some get 45 a year. 
But you're conditioned to work hard for what? For profit. That's it. But people do it. Like I said, folks, I didn't create Romantic Truth for a popularity contest. I didn't create it for likes. I did not create it for views. I didn't create it for any of those things. It was all about passing on the message and the information. It's more important than me. It's more important than anything else. So there'll be some of you that listen to the show, don't like it. You don't like my voice. I talk too much. Uh, Sometimes I don't have guests. But you know what? It doesn't impede the message. Because that's what it's about. It's not about the complaints. It's not about being disgruntled. It's about the message I convey. Now, I tried to have guests on this show. Ever since I started, I've only had one guest on this show that followed through. And that was a yellow from Butterfly Braids. Very sweet lady. And you guys can also listen to her uh, New York Hair Stories Butterfly Braids. It's a podcast. And she talks about experiences that she's dealt with in her journey in life. She's a very sweet lady. When I first uh, spoke with her, I thought she was like 16. This woman was in her 30s. She spoke with a cadence of innocence. Very nice lady. So make sure you check her out or support her. But like I said, folks, I will have more guests on the show eventually. But we vet them. A good percentage of the people that we invite to be on the show, and now it's been up to about 7,000 people that we've invited. I will put it to you this way. 98% of them wanted to get paid. And we don't pay guests on this show. We don't pay them. Now, some of you have asked... And this is just a few things about the show. You ask, hey, well, when are you guys going to do these panels? Ask Gina and Natalie about that. They don't want to stay up because they're at different times. Well, they're in the same time zone over in Europe, close to it at least. I'd be the one that I'd ball out. We all agree that we're not doing that shit. For several reasons. One, on the panels, they're unorganized. Two, it's too much banter. People talking over each other. Now, I will do one-on-one interviews, segments, but it won't be a situation where we're, uh-uh, we're not going to be in a chicken coop doing that. So, just stay tuned. When we get someone, we'll do it right. Because the one thing I don't want to do is to clutter it up with a whole bunch of people talking about advertising their companies and businesses. 
I have a friend of mine that started a podcast. It went pretty well. He was dealing with sports. Now, if you listen to it, the only thing these guests talk about on this show is the business that they're starting up. They never get to the topic, content, or subject matter of the show. The only thing they do is talk about that. And I told him about that, and he's like, man, I don't know how to control this now because I've accepted this money from these folks, and now the show controls me. I don't control it. And I told him, you can try what I'm trying. Because what I chose to do is not take on any advertisers. Anchor is the only sponsor I have. And what I get from that, please. So, what that means primarily is this. I have more autonomy on the show than he does. He's stuck with whatever he gets. Until that money runs out. And I told him, you're doing something for the money, I'm doing something out of a passion. That's the distinction between the two of us. So I appreciate you folks for listening. I got to go now, prepare for tomorrow's show, and I want you to take care. And thank you once again for listening, folks. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie Poodles and a Rat Terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams. <laughs>